What is going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to hang out with Will Gold of Creeper over Zoom video. Will was born and raised in Southampton in the UK and talks about how he got into music. Didn't come from a musical household per se, uh, but his dad was a huge fan of music. So Will was always kind of digging through his dad's vinyl collection, listening to David Bowie and uh, Roxy Music. He later became a big fan of punk rock and he talked about this venue that he used to go to as a kid. Will started off on the piano, so he talks about that. And that's how he started to write his first songs was on piano. We hear about the first few bands he was in. He talks about how he formed Creeper and how the band had a lot of attention on them from their very, very first show. We hear some really good stories from Will, some that he's never told anyone before, which is really interesting. He talks about the themes of the first two albums and the really cool way they were able to announce this new album which he talks a lot about as well. You can watch the interview with Will on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be amazing if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be amazing if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Creeper. Hey, Will, how's it going? Can you hear me? Hey, yes, Adam. How are you, man? I'm fantastic. How are you? Warm, man. It's very warm here. I don't know oh, what's really? going on. This is England. I don't know why it's so fucking warm, but it's very warm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. It's been brutal here too, but uh, I have family and I'm originally from San Diego and I guess it's been even more hot there, so. Oh, shit, man. That's, that's, yeah, I, I don't know why. Like, it just, the problem is over here, right? When it gets really warm like this, we just don't have air conditioning and anywhere. So it's unbearable. Nowhere's got air conditioning. So like, it's only warm like this, like a couple of weeks of the year. So uh-huh. it just gets unbearable. And us stupid British people just melt and it happens every year. <laughs> <laughs> is it? <laughs> wow. So, it's I mean, true. is it? Is the... I'm so ignorant when it comes to like uh geographical locations and as far as like weather and uh seasons and stuff go is it is it technically summer still where you're at yeah it's still summer so uh obviously like i guess i i'm imagining our climates uh, our seasons are very similar to where you are okay. uh and so, so it's still summer it's the end of summer here now uh but uh, it, it's just warm for another couple of weeks and it just we've had these mad heat waves adam it's been mad over here i don't know what I guess it's global warming. I don't know, but like it's uh, <laughs> it's extreme over here at the moment. I don't know what's oh my going gosh. on. Well, I'm, that's <laughs> it's bizarre. It's just not cold enough. I mean, hot enough to get for people to have air conditioning. It's just not. Well, nobody does it. it's just not not hot enough. But like 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 a in a, in a in like a, a number of weeks. If it was hot for like three months, I reckon everyone would get it. But right. it's hot like sporadically, you know, like yeah, across, it's not across even the. Worth it. Yeah, as well. it's, it's, I think it's where it's getting worse here. We are coming around to it. But like most of our shops and things don't really have it in the same way they have out there. You know, it's just no respite. It's, it's ridiculous. So at <laughs> night, so you, just melt. You, you, just, you just fucking melt, dude. It's crazy. What but, about like yeah, the movie anyway. theaters? <laughs> the movie oh, theaters? Yeah, you'll, you'll get it in there maybe. Okay. But like, 
you you would the thing is you most of the time you wouldn't need it you know what i mean yeah. like it would be it would be a waste of money most of the time <laughs> and we're like well we don't need it and then this one week comes along and we're like oh my fucking god uh, but yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. Well, I appreciate you doing this today. Thank you so much for taking the time. No, thank you for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited to to chat with you. This is about you and your your journey in music. And we'll talk about the album that you have coming out as well with Creeper. Awesome. Sweet. Um, So are you originally uh, Southampton is where I read like kind of the band started? Is that where you're from originally? Yeah, so I'm from Southampton, which is uh, from the very bottom coast of the UK. So it's uh, from a coastal town. And uh, we kind of all met there. Uh, and now I live in Manchester. Um, okay. You like, so, so, so kind of more northern. Uh, I met a girl and uh, moved across the country. You know, one of those. Uh, so, <laughs> of course. Uh, but across the, across the country for me is nothing compared to across the country in America. It's like four hours, you know. That's, that's, not <laughs> that's like across uh, the state. <laughs> yeah, exactly. State. Uh, every time I tour it. I remember the first time I toured America, I downloaded like loads of podcasts and it was like 11 hours. The next, and I remember listening to them all and pulling my headphones out and being like, how are we not at the next venue yet? This is crazy. Because, you know, we'd have been in the sea. If we drove that long in England, you'd be in the water, you know? Right. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, it, that's funny. Yeah. Because here it's like, I mean, just to, where I moved from in San Diego to where I'm at now, it would if you just drove straight, it would take you at least two days. That's like without oh, stopping or anything. That's just insane, isn't it? It's so mad. We did the warp tour one year over there and it was just crazy. Just absolutely mad the drives out there. Oh but, yeah. Uh, I mean the warp yeah. tour is awesome, but you're hitting so many cities and in the middle of the blistering heat of the summer and just I, I can't imagine. Just the desert and stuff, you know, just so much desert, you know, just lots of desert. Uh, yeah, which is just odd, is. isn't it? <laughs> uh, but yeah, be beautiful, very beautiful, very flat. Some of it as well, they're really lovely. This goes on and vast, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Really, because I think because it's small over here, we just build shit on top of everything, you know. So it's very, it's, it's unusual for us. Everything's built <laughs> in. Um, anyway, sorry, Southampton. Uh, Southampton. No, so no need Southampton. to apologize. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, I, I moved to Manchester, and uh, so yeah, the, the, the music scene in Southampton was really great. I was really lucky growing up, you know. Because there was a great venue there called the Joiners Arms, and uh, so everyone who played over there, like like uh, Suede played there back in the day, Oasis, uh, Green Day, No Effects, wow. like anyone that came through, they played this little two hundred cap room in Southampton. So it was a, I always I'm, 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 like try to uh, uh, kind of put it down to being something like a, a nowhere near as famous CBGBs, you know. Where it's I was like, gonna, kind of, that's where I was going to go to. Yeah, know? like was it a CBGBs like size, probably cool little venue like that. Yeah, like you know, everything's a bit fucked up in there. Like uh, everything's yeah. kind of falling apart a little bit. Uh, but it's but it's or like uh, a Gilman maybe in San Francisco. Yeah, like Gilman. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, yeah, something like that. Or, or like you know, um, what's the one in California that's uh, uh, what's it called? A uh, chain reaction. Something oh, chain like reaction. That, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, up, so something like that. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's a great venue, and so we grew up with that, and so I got to see like every time there's a smalling smaller touring band they always came through so i met all my friends with punk rock and hardcore and stuff there uh and my my now to this day my one of my best friends runs that venue and so we made all of our friends there really and uh mm-hmm. that's kind of how all of this started for me it all started there what about music as far as like uh playing or do you come from a musical household at all were you putting like piano lessons as a kid or anything like that 
No, I wasn't from a musical household. Uh, I had parents who loved music. I, the way I got into music in the first place is uh, I always put down to this time. I was 13 and my parents divorced and mm. my, uh, my dad left all these records in the house. And, you know, like the first time you, you, you get into music and you work out how to use a record player and stuff, it was kind of that. Mm-hmm. And you pick the records, these are, you, you pick the records based on what's on the cover of the records, you know, like, oh, of course. So, yeah, I always pick a, pick out in my mind "Hunky Dory" by David Bowie. That's the cover of that record, and, mm-hmm. and like discovering that for the first time. You know, when you do that, like, and you have it in your hands, that's when you kind of make music your own. You know, um, so I I got given a lot of music. My dad's favorite band was Roxy Music. I don't know if you're oh, familiar. I love uh, Roxy Music. Yeah. yeah, Love is the drug, man. That's a jam. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> we, you know, we we, we, uh, we we did a cover of that song. For, did you uh, really? BBC that's once. such a yeah. good song. I know it's, it's, it's really odd as well. Like, I think <laughs> the, the story goes with that one that Eno com- they made a composition of the whole thing. And then they just, like, it was going to be like lyricless. And then Brian Ferry wrote all those mad lyrics to it. Uh, oh, but, uh, yeah, really? Brilliant, I didn't know brilliant that. song. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Uh, super cool, man. And it's, it's, a, it's a really fun song to play. Uh, it's just the same thing over and over again, really. Uh, but uh, <laughs> really good. Uh, but yeah, I, I, that's how I, I discovered records. I was given a lot of records by my on my parents, but um, mm-hmm. I learned how to play the, the 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 amount I can play now. I kind of had to kind of work out as we went along. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't from a musical household myself. Okay, did you play guitar or anything like that? Was that like a first instrument you learned, or I know you no, obviously yeah. are the vocalist for all the projects I've heard of yours. Yeah, uh, it, it was a, a pianist really, but a really terrible pianist. Uh, okay, but like. Okay. Uh, yeah, so so um, it sounds so much like penis when I was saying that then, didn't it? Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that is a good got, word got... though, pianist. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, I just I learned as much as I needed. Uh, like I think with punk and stuff, it was always oh uh, anyone can get up and do it. You know, that was the whole spirit of it all when I was a kid. So it was like as you knew four chords, you could kind of put a song together. And I've gotten lots better as I've gotten older, but I'm still not brilliant. Um, but uh, I, what I tend to do when I write songs, uh, if it's for guitar or if it's not for piano, um, is I'll write the whole, the top line and the, and, and the chords or whatever, and, and, and uh, we transpose it to guitar because um, uh, I'm okay. terrible. I can't play guitar at all. I'm terrible. So, uh, so yeah, it, it's kind of, um, I, we operate under like a, um, you know, it, it was still kind of those sketchy punk kids trying to play things that are a bit more complex for us to play, you know. And, and I've got a keyboard player in the band now, you know, so so, so she can actually play. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> that's interesting her. because, yeah, dude, like just, uh, I mean, this not only the style that you're playing now, but like even before that, to be into punk rock and everything, just to lay down and write songs on the piano is such a different, I think, way yeah. of thinking about it. Instead of being like, okay, I'm going to play these three power chords and then, you know, do whatever over it. Like you're always, starting off remember. on more of a beautiful instrument than like a grungy guitar. <laughs> and you're trying to fuck it up. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it's funny because <laughs> like, uh, I remember getting the, the, the first piano, I, I was a keyboard. Uh, so I never had a piano, but I've always had keyboards. Uh, mm-hmm. The first keyboard I had was like something for like 50 pound. Um, so like, I guess like 60, 70 dollars something. So it's just some piece of shit thing. And uh, it had one of those buttons. You ever had those things when you were a kid? Uh, like we, when we used to do music lessons, there used to be a button that said DJ on it, and you could push it, and oh, all, yeah, the, all yeah. the sounds would go ah oh, ah, oh, you know. And, yeah, you can make the different oh, noises with the keys. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So it was like one of those really tacky ones, but and it didn't have a uh, it didn't have weighted keys, and it didn't have a foot switch. So you just have to hammer the fuck out of it to, to make it play. <laughs> and uh, um, but I always, I always remember Matt Skiba, uh from Apple Trio. Um, oh man, he was, that's he, he, that he's one of he my was like favorite a, musicians. Uh, ever. yeah. 
Up but until blink, he, and then he kind of. But uh, <laughs> anyway, that's a whole other story. <laughs> well, yeah, man. Me too. I I love Nancy, but he he. I remember him. He was a, he was a pianist before a guitar player, uh-huh. and I always remember seeing an interview of him saying, and it's so true because if you can understand piano, like it, it kind of full. You, you can kind of transpose what you play on piano into anything, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, so it's been a really useful resource uh, to to kind of um, get to know a bit more for me. I still I'm still not brilliant, but. Uh, but I can I can put a song together now. So it's a uh, yeah. I, I, like over the years, I've, I've become well good enough at at it so I can write songs. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I do have a quick question with for you on that on Matt Skiba now, just because I I've, I've yet to really talk to somebody that was is that like a big enough fan of Alkaline Trio because I have read other stuff with you and you're saying you know you they're they're an influence of yours yeah um, definitely so like i grew up in san diego that's where blink was from i was a huge fan of blink and i was a huge fan of alkaline trio and uh matt skiba and the secrets and what was that other project he had with the he had heavens heavens yeah with the dinner yeah. like that yeah, yeah so when i when he joined blink i was like okay that's weird and then he started wearing hurley i'm like okay that's weird <laughs> and then the songs on the record they sound like alkaline. I mean, his, you could tell they're his songs, right? Like on the California album and those, what did you, like, how did you feel about that? Or were you even a blink? Were you a fan of blink? I, I, I was always, uh, all the, all the punk bands I liked, I think blink was maybe a little bit too polished for me when I was a kid, but the okay. early stuff isn't at all. But I think the stuff that was on the radio back when I was yeah. little was probably the, the, the latest the stuff. I, I, I do like yeah. Yeah, I, I do. I do like that. I do like it. I, I guess like Alkaline Trio was my favorite. You know, the, if you had a favorite three piece, you either had like you, there's the Green Day kids, the Blink Bay Two kids, there's Alkaline Trio kids, you have Jawbreaker people. You know, like oh, yeah, yeah. people who like all those bands. So uh, I guess mine were like I love Jawbreaker, I loved Alkaline Trio. Um, I like Green Day a little bit, but like I think Green Day, Blink, and that sort of era of stuff was never my favorite stuff. But I, okay. I, I know it, of course, because oh, yeah, I grew yeah. up around it. But uh, but like I remember the um, we were with John Feldman for a bit of doing uh, like when we were trying to find a, a producer for our second record. And I think oh, he really? just done. Yeah. yeah he probably he just, just done, done, done the California album. I'm yeah. Sure. I think he had, he was talking about that a little bit. And like we did, we, we met uh, Mark from, from, uh, from Blink, Blink at the same time. And he, I think it was just, and I remember like, cause I remember being also being like, Oh, that's so crazy that Matt Skiba's in Blink Ray too now. Like you just yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't afford it. Would you? And I remember no. saying to him, I was like, Oh, like that's so cool, and he was like, "So how did that come about?" And he just said, "I just called him up," and I was like, oh, "Of course he did. That's what everyone would do, you know." Like <laughs> right, you just right. don't think that, do you? You're like, "Oh, or you're in it. the yeah, you're in the biggest like punk band yeah. ever. You could just be like, "Hey, do you want to join my?" Yeah, no, but I again, I'm I still love Alkaline Trio and, and everything oh, that yeah. Skiba's done in the past. That's that uh, solo record he did was it was really good where he played all the instruments like drums with like good fucking buy on it. And it oh, had, God, uh, so, the so city that, that, that day. That, yeah, that, that was a great the, uh, record. The, the Kevin second split. That, yeah, that's yeah, that yeah, is. yeah. That is yes. The, that is the good stuff. Oh, God, I love that. That was split. And I love the Kevin second side as well. That was oh, it's great. great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry to go off on a tangent there. I just thought that was no. Like well, I, I will happily talk to you about about uh, <laughs> this whole time. Like I, I rarely get to do it. They're one of my favorite bands, you know. Um, but yeah, like a, a huge huge fan of them. Um, they, have you seen uh, Atoms playing drums now? Because Derek left. Do you see that? Like Derek, yeah, yeah, just yeah. Left, yeah. Atoms in there. That's so. It's, it's cool. I kind of thought it was like 
if you if someone was going to replace Derek, you kind of want it to to be him, right? Um, mm-hmm. I thought it was cool. Yeah, because on mm. the last time I I hadn't seen them in a lo- in a while, and then I saw him on the Crimson tour, and I don't think Derek was playing. I think he maybe oh. had he recorded on the record, but I don't think he was in. He played the show, which was weird. oh, I thought I thought he was in up until very recently. Um, I think but, uh, maybe he I, was I, hurt. Maybe he got hurt or oh, sick yeah. or something. I don't know, but it was weird to cut to see them without him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it wasn't yeah, bad sure. by any means, but it was just. I was like, huh, that's interesting. Oh, right. And, but he's like on the cover of the record. So <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like a silhouette. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, that's cr- I didn't realize that they have that he that he's back with them and or that oh, uh, yeah, they, 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 so, so, yeah, it's at, at them now. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. Like, it's, uh, yeah, it's so so Derek's left, which you know was a bummer, but like uh, uh you know what we saw him a couple of years back, we played Slam Dunk Festival and they were like they're here. It's kinda like Slam Dunk Festival is kinda like it's like the UK's Warp Tour. There's like yeah, yeah, same sort of vibe. I always see the yeah. the lineup, and I'm like, and you guys are doing stuff, it this yeah. year too, right? Uh, no, we did it last year. We just did it. We headlined the stage last year. Uh, okay, I don't know they, they that was the most recent one. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, the one that just kind of passed. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah, right? a few months ago. No, no, no. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, 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 it's great. It's always so much fun. And we like me and Ian from Creeper have been playing for them, kind of like in different bands for. For years now you know so it's uh uh-huh. it's been they've been going a little while it's crazy uh anyway yeah. sorry it's a big tangent this is my cat by the way um this is a uh, little bats here adam uh oh bats so I, I, I like the name I, yeah sorry about this um they've been, no, they've been no... invasive all day long i've been doing this all day and they just keep come finding new reasons to come over so sorry oh, no. about that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> i love it um okay so was the what was the first band then you were in how old were you when you started playing uh I was like a kid when so we, I did bands in school, but then never, you know, never really did anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I did, I did bands. I did a band, a really terrible band. Uh, well, not a terrible band, but like terrible band name. We were called Little Girl Lost, which was like <laughs> not my choice. Creepers, the first band I've named, I've been in. Uh, but uh, yeah, but I was in that band. I was in a band called Our Time Down Here, which again I didn't name. It was from the Goonies, uh, and that was like a hardcore band that became kind of like. Uh, Became more kind of what the first Creeper EPs used to be at the end of it. Um, but I kind of took a bit more control there. But yeah, like it, it, all the time growing up, all the bands I was in, like I never got to name them. So like uh, they'd all have really weird names. Because <laughs> <laughs> Our Time Down was the band that you're in for a while, right? That was like the one yeah. that kind of did something for a while, right? Were they kind of well, the first band that really? Here. Yeah. Yeah. But it was still. it was the first band we did. We we toured like Europe a lot. We did a lot of like kind of played a lot of squats and things like that. We toured. We were band for about seven years, but like uh, it was when we were teenagers, you know. Like so, it was like going into that, um, mm-hmm. and we broke up. It just you know like doing this is just so exhausting, especially like the way that the on the the way we were doing it back then, uh, sleeping in in a van every day and uh, you know waking up in like the snow somewhere um, <laughs> in, in Europe in Europe. Uh, and stuff like that it just got so draining so uh yeah we, we like it, we got to do a lot of fun things of it but it, never anything very big but uh we got we got to tour we, we played with h2o a, a bunch of times and oh wow and dead to me and and like a uh we, we did a show with against me which was like my favorite oh, wow. thing at the time so i love i love against me and what year was that do you remember they were on white crosses i believe uh, okay um, so uh it was that that sort of era 
But um, I saw uh, uh, against me like a load back in the day. Uh, like I've only ever played with them the one time, but um, and I doubt Law will even remember because we were just the opener, you know, the local opener. Uh, but, uh, oh, yeah, so you got uh, to play with them even like back before? I mean, no. Oh no! no oh, that was the, just that one time just when the white cross was there. Okay, God, you but just were a fan I, I, and saw them beforehand. Uh, yeah. Okay, God. Yeah, it, exactly. Do you remember they they did like a live in London uh, CD? And uh, I was at that show. Was at, I think it was at the, the I want to say it was at the Mean Fiddler or the Garage or somewhere. But it was uh, it was amazing. It was just like kind of it was just after they released Searching for a Former Clarity. Um, oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. I love that record. Oh uh, so Joy, good. that song is so uh, good. That's brilliant. Wow. Yeah, like, like all that era of stuff. Like I just, I just loved it. I remember when that record came out. I remember buying it. I remember the record store I bought it from, and the guy who ran the record store gave me the record a day before it came out. Uh, like he had it already and, it, and he gave it and I put it in my discman and sat outside the shop and listened to it. That's how old that long ago that was. But uh, I can love that band. So I still love them now, you know, great band. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great album. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so that band, like you said, you toured, you, you did a lot of touring, but I, you said you got burned out. And then at what point do you, did you guys just call it and then you were conti- like, what did you do in the interim between that band breaking up? So I always did like weird jobs to kind of support my, my touring. Like, like it was like always like, oh, we work, you work at a pizza shop or you're selling something from door to door. You just knock doors and stuff like that. <laughs> I do all this, all this, like everybody I think has a similar story. As this. Yeah. I did, did like a million jobs, but they were all not very sustainable work, you know? Um, and so with just stuff you could pick up and put down and go. I was going to say probably jobs back. that you didn't mind about, didn't mind yeah, leaving you, to jump on the road. Did, <laughs> you just didn't care about those things, you know. But you, you just turn up whenever. And uh, <laughs> so we did that. And and um, then the, there were some older people in the in my band who were older than, than us, and they were like, "We need to sort our lives out because this is just kind of ruined them all." And so we were like, "So me and Ian were like, let's go and get real jobs and stop doing all this. This is we've had our fun, you know. Let's go do something else." So we both got a job at a call center, uh, which is the worst job in the world. You should never do it. It's terrible. I find it so difficult. And I worked there for years, of course, because that's what I always do. Um, and I got all my friends a job. <laughs> what do you, when you say a call center, would people call like crisis line or like, Oh what kind of, no. Like, like or I you'd call like a, out and try to be like, Oh, we've like sell. Yeah. Well, kind of like, like I, because I didn't go, I spent all my like teenage years touring and stuff. So mm-hmm. I didn't go to university or for, uh, like I, I did a year of college, uh, but I didn't have any qualifications. So I always, one of the jobs you can always learn to do uh, is sales because uh, you don't need anything to do that. So <laughs> I ended up doing all these sales jobs for ages. One of them was I was selling paintball holidays, but like in the shopping center and you have to go out to people and sell them. It was, it was awful. But like uh, this call center <laughs> was like that. They were phoning in and, um, and it was just, it was just terrible. But so we were doing that. And then I said to him, I was like, man, turns out like trying to be like adults, it just sucks. I just hate it. And I was like, can we just do a band for the weekend? I don't want to tour. I don't want to do anything. Like, can we just do it for the weekend? And he was like, yeah, okay. So we got together and wrote some songs. And I was thinking that like, we'd play that venue, the joiners. And if, if Ricky had a, like, an American band coming through, like we could open up for them, you know, like kind of like we did with Against Me or whatever. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, that'll be, that'll be great. And uh, and then out of nowhere, Creeper was the band it just happened with. You know, it was really weird. It was just, we like, uh, we put a, a, an EP up for free online and uh, 
then we did one show and then like people from like uh from roadrunner were there at the first show and it was just weird we've been bear in mind we've been doing it for seven years before then like uh literally sleeping in the van and so we couldn't believe it and so we still didn't really trust at all uh and we were like well roadrunner was, uh, offered us a deal we'll probably just do a re- we ha- we can't say no because like why would you you know like and it's like yeah whatever. was the other it, band it, 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 signed or anything at that point or is this like your first deal nah, like and it was one, sh- so, one so did you you said you guys did an ep and you put that up online or something and then that's like yeah, what attracted what, uh roadrunner to the show was it just had they heard what you'd done online i think people had known like people in the punk scene and stuff like because we'd come up and a lot of our friends uh when we were younger I'd all found kind of roles in music, you know, so like punk, like the punk kids that we knew when we were a kid, when we were growing up, they all kind of worked now. Some of them worked at independent labels and like oh, uh, some of them worked at, worked at venues. And so like people were aware of us, but uh-huh. our old band had been around a minute. So when a new one came about, people were like passing it around a bunch more, um, which we never saw coming. And uh, then um, it was funny, actually, I was talking about this earlier, that, um, there was a real learning curve for us with this stuff because back then, because we were like, with these, the sorts of shows we used to play, we, we used to just get hammered and play, you know, like that's what yeah. we, it used to be like. And um, I remember the guy from Roadrunner came to the first show, uh, Ian Dickinson, who's now, who now manages us. And, uh, he, and then he, he, he brought his boss along to see us when we supported a friend's band in London. But me and Ian had drunk like two bottles of wine before we went on because that was just the normal, the norm back then. And they almost didn't sign us because we were so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we just used to get so drunk back then. But like we had to learn to not do that. (laughs) Right, right, right. Yeah. And so that was years ago. That's almost 10 years ago now. But like it it was really odd. It was a real learning curve and um, just not what we used to at all because we used to just get drunk every single day and go on tour and just be little, little freaks, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, that's kind of how it came about. It's, it's very strange. But then, so after that, you obviously signed the deal with Roadrunner and then was it how quickly after that, are you able to leave the call center or was uh, it like, like, were you putting like when they sign you and you had, you know, put out that EP probably not that long before that, do you do a record pretty quickly with, with Roadrunner or like what, what kind of, help like what what's like the next move once they sign you so here's what actually happened no one really asked about that uh which is really it's interesting i think you're the only person i've spoken to about this today or or this week or whatever so this is what happened right it was a really weird situation so working at the course center and two there's two parts to the story that make it funny first one is um we're about to sign we haven't got the work the paperwork through or whatever and um uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm running out at the t- at the moment. We we've got offered loads of tours, uh, but I have running out of holiday, and so I've used all my I've used all my holiday at the call center, and now I'm taking unpaid leave to go on tour. Because Bayside offered us to go on tour. I don't know if you like that band, but we love them. Oh yeah, my favorite band. Oh, I love. So we them, were like, man. I had Anthony on this podcast of, oh, before COVID happened. Yeah. Oh man, I love I love Bayside, and and they asked us to open up. And, but like we had no holiday left. And my, um, my manager was this woman called Claire who spoke like this, like, uh, she had like a really husky voice and, uh, <laughs> and she was like, I can't have any more holiday. And, uh, uh, I didn't know what to do. And then, um, that day they separated the call center into two groups, like the X factor or something. And half of us were going to get made redundant 
and half of us were gonna uh, keep our jobs because this happened that day, right? So I was like, holy fucking shit. So <laughs> like, um, all right, we're gonna break you guys it. up. It was it just like this, this half we're gonna go? What if there was somebody good on this half and they're still gonna be gone? Well, <laughs> there, there, there was some sort of workings they were doing, uh, <laughs> some sort of mechanic to how they chose. <laughs> But it was funny. It was like, you're going to the judges' houses and the rest of you are going home. It was like that. And, and uh, anyway, they, I was in the room where we were getting made redundant and I'd been there for three years, right? So I had all this money coming and I was like, oh my God, this is great. It's going to like cover the gap that I need to live, you know, like with this money. And I was like, yes. And anyway, so I've left uh, and, and then um, they've called me back in to the office and they're going we've made a mistake and you can keep your job and i was like no <laughs> you're like but i want the money and get the <laughs> money and luckily the dude who ran the call center used to be this is so fucking crazy man I, I don't know why i'm telling you this but the guy who ran the call center who actually the boss of it used to be kind of big in like uk garage over here which is like a dance music thing over here uh -huh. and he was like i understand music don't worry. It was, like, it was like, what if we were to pretend this conversation never happened and you were made redundant? <laughs> so you made me redundant. I got the money. And then I was like, I, 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 it was the weirdest day ever. And I walked home. The, my manager, my then, uh, we, our, our friend of ours was managing us. He used to be a PR. And kind of, it was a bit all by the seat of our pants. Didn't know what the fuck was going on. And he phoned. It was like, oh, looks like they're going to send the deals through. And I was like, okay, great. And then I realized, oh, this money is not going to really go very far. It was like, I don't know, what do you get for three years? I can't really remember. But it, was a, it wasn't very much. But it was more than I was going to, like, I would be fired because I was taking so much holiday, right? Right. So the final, the final part of the story, um, it, this rambly story, I'm sorry about this, but it's very rambly. No, this is amazing. Um, <laughs> I apologize. So, and the fact that I can tie this back into an Alpine Trio story at the end, okay? Uh, so, uh, just for you, because no one knows this part either. So, then what happened was, I couldn't afford to live where I was living. But a friend of mine, uh, this girl called Rosie from Southampton, she had like, she had a, like a terraced house, right? Like, uh, she had a house and she owned the house. Like her parents owned it or her, she owned it. And she had a cat in the house. But she wanted to go traveling for a year. So she said to me, Oh, I hear you're looking for a place to live. If you want to look after my cat, you can pay like a hundred pound a month rent, which I was like, oh my God, that's going to solve all the problems, right? It was going to solve all the problems. So I stayed at Rosie's house. I moved in and looked after this cat, like, and I could tour as and when. I made the money. I made that money last so long, you like, because you're paying a hundred pound a month, you know, like it was like, that was, that was all included, all the bills, everything. It was like, it was crazy. And uh, so I was living there and that's the only way I managed to afford to do it. And uh, the funny story I'm going to tell you is, <laughs> I don't know if I can really telling you, so I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, so um, Dan and Giano was coming through Southampton with the emergency room. You ever heard that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he was like playing at the joiners uh, and Ricky was my friend who, who runs the place. And I'm like, I'm like, hey, man, if Dan needs a place to stay, he could stay at this house I'm staying at. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then on the night, he was like, actually, mate, can Dan and Gianna stay? And I was like, yes. So Dan and Gianna stayed at that girl's house with because his backing band were, were a friend's band of mine called Bangers. Uh, they're like a band from the UK. They were, they were playing as well and, and being his backing band. So they were all staying over. And so was Dan. It was just absolutely bizarre. But that was the very beginning of the band. That's the story. Oh my god! Uh, so Dan, know, stays, so you got that. So Dan stays at this house. You're there as well, and you yeah. just got to hang and with, with them. 
it was really funny as well because uh, at one point uh, we're both smoking in the garden of this girl's house. <laughs> and, and I'm like, obviously a huge Aglan Trio fan. And he, and he was like, oh, the guys say that you play in a band because I just started. And, and, and he was like, what does it sound like? And I was like smoking, like, kind of like your band. <laughs> like, like really <laughs> awkwardly, like a stupid old English guy going, it sounds like your band a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the story of the beginning uh, of how it, how it started. And we've just kind of made it work since then. It's all kind of just, just going along, you know? Um, but yeah, that's, that, so that's funny. <laughs> oh my, I can't believe that's so wild. How crazy. Stupid, isn't it? Uh, every time I saw it, like it, it was the, the, the Manchester Punk Festival the other day. And, uh, and the guys from that band Bangers who were, who were backing up Dan were here uh-huh. and we were talking about it and they were like, it was really weird and surreal, wasn't it? And I was like, yeah, that whole thing was well weird. But um, he was really nice and it, it was really cool. I didn't want to tell him that I'd uh, been to see his band so many times or whatever. It just felt a bit weird. But yeah, it was really nice. But yeah, weird, weird um, introduction, a weird beginning to all this as well. That's amazing. What an amazing story. <laughs> Stupid, isn't it? So That's dumb. so cool. That is so cool. If you're an independent artist, you may know the struggle of you got these great songs. How do I get them in front of record labels, radio DJs, get them on Spotify playlists? How does this happen? Well, friends, this is Adam from Bringing It Backwards, and I'm going to tell you about this amazing website called Drop Track. DropTrack will get you a free press release for your music with the new AI-powered PR agent from DropTrack. DropTrack has helped thousands of independent musicians actually get their music heard by connecting them with record labels, radio DJs, Spotify playlist curators, and now DropTrack is leveraging the power of AI to help you promote your music. It's super simple. All you have to do is upload your song and then DropTrack will write a professional, personalized press release that describes your music all in just seconds. Then DropTrack helps you share it with the world. You might ask yourself, Adam, why do I need a press release for my music? Well, you need a press release because you need to be able to describe your music in words. You can send the press release to record labels or radio programmers, media outlets, And these industry folk and your fans will actually be able to read about your music before they even press play on the song. This will also get them interested in your music so they want to listen to it. A really good friend of mine has been an independent musician for a number of years, written so many great songs. But he's like, why do I need a press release? So I explained to him the importance of the press release, being able to describe the music. People know what they're getting into before they even press play. He drops his song into drop track. It writes this beautiful press release. Then all he has to do is just send it out. Super simple. What are you waiting for? Get a press release for your own song. Try it now for free at www.droptrack.com. That's droptrack.com. That's D-R-O-P-T-R-A-C-K, drop track, droptrack.com. Check it out today. So you guys have done, I mean, you're, you did the, the first album and then you what, had to push the second album, right? Because of COVID. Yeah. So we did the, the first one. Uh, we toured loads in the first one. And uh-huh. then we took a year out um, and to make a second one, which we made, uh, made in Los Angeles. And um, 
And while we were there, we uh, like, like, like took, it took ages. It came out in the middle of the lockdown and kind of the whole band just kind of went to a, to a bit of a halt at that point. And uh, uh, yeah, it was, um, I, it was a real bummer at the time, really, because like we were stuck inside the house and you want to be out on tour. And all we've ever known really was touring. So uh, it was a lot to adjust to at that point in time. And the record, uh, it, it was a really exciting when it came out, but without touring around it, it kind of fizzled out straight away. So yeah, it was a bit, a bit of a bummer at that point, but um, we finally got out and, and managed to tour it a little bit last year. Um, but by the time last year was done, it was kind of the end of the cycle, really, and uh, on to the next thing. So mm-hmm. a bit of a bummer, the second one. Well, the, well, the first album was, when it came out, it did like really well. I mean, you were like number one in the UK and everything else. I mean, to have... Oh, the sec- yeah, the second one did better, did better in the charts. I was, was going to say, uh, well, I thought the uh, second album did really well. Uh, yeah. As well. It did, yeah. So <laughs> it, it just didn't have. You just weren't able to tour it as well. As, it, it sounds like as yeah. much, obviously. It was. It was really uh, well received, and uh, and I was gonna um, say I thought that one did really, it, really it, well. Yeah, <laughs> it did. It, it did. It, it did really well. But the problem is, um, the the the, the momentum just stops and dead in the water. Like all of us did, who put records out. Uh, that's my friends' bands put records out at the same time, and kind of we all had the same problem where it was just like. It just stopped, you know, things just kind of like just paused and uh, we couldn't do anymore. Uh, so that was really frustrating. You were like kind of uh, you couldn't tour. And so then, and we couldn't really record another record because we were all in lockdown. So we would write ideas back and forth. But it was a bummer in the sense that like we couldn't go back to America and tour it. We couldn't we'd, like we, we'd, but we'd been there quite a lot and we hadn't been back. We've been away for a minute and then we realized we were going to have to kind of be away for even longer uh, mm-hmm. from performing. Uh, and so, yeah, even though it came out, to, 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 it came out in lockdown and it sold well and it, and it, uh, and it had great reviews, but um, we couldn't do anything with it. So it was almost kind of pointless because you couldn't grow, you know, like you couldn't expose it to anybody new. And um, so it, it, it was frustrating, really. Like, uh, mm-hmm. it's like one of those times, I think it was frustrating probably for all of us, you know, like, uh, like everyone involved in, uh, in music, but not just in music, across the board, it was just a very irritating time where you wanted to be out doing stuff and wanted the world to be open, but it wasn't safe to. So, um, sure. so yeah, it was a bummer, you know, but the album was done prior to what the lockdown happening or do you have to like finish yeah. up anything? So it was done. It was ready to go. And then you had a date yeah. and obviously yeah. had to get pushed. And so now you're exactly. sitting on an album waiting. Exactly. And, and then you were like, well, hopefully like the world will reopen. We, and we, I was saying like, it's like all, all this kind of, like, oh, this COVID thing will pass, you know. Well, they said it was going to happen. <laughs> they, they said it was going to last for two weeks. What happened like ruined everything. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was awful. It's so sad. And uh, obviously, I feel like a l- little bit of an idiot even complaining. People had it a lot worse than me. But um, it just in the, in, in the story of the uh, of the uh, of this album of the album, right. uh, it, it was a bummer that we couldn't do more with it and. A lot of the we had these lots of really cool ideas for the live show, and um, a lot of it never never came to fruition in the end. But uh, but yeah, it's a it's, it's a bummer. But um, yeah, it, it, we got through it. And but by the, by the time we came after that, we did an EP with called American Noir that um, had mm-hmm. kind of kind of off cuts and things from that record that we put out. And uh, and that so, so, so by by the time that came out, we could we could tour again, we could play again. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we managed a little, a little bit of touring on the end of it, really. So with American Noir, that was uh, those were songs or that were going to either make that record or didn't make the record. Or yeah, we, 
No, they, they, so, so we wrote like when we were going from the first one to the second one, uh, there was a lot of experimentation with sounds. We're trying to, uh, we're trying to, we wrote loads of songs, like, you know, like loads of songs. And, um, uh, just, just a load of them were just rubbish. <laughs> like you're just kind of writing things. You love like, oh, that one sucks. Uh, but, uh, so, so a lot of them was like that, but some of them, because there was just a great quantity of them, they were, we're like talking like 50 to 60 songs that we wrote for it. Um, but like, uh, cause it was over the course of years, you know, um, and it's like the, the same thing with that difficult second record where you're just trying so hard to find the formula that works for you for, and not just repeat what you did in the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, so that these, these were ones that didn't make the first record that we still thought had some life in them. And, uh, and when it came, it was like, oh, we, we kind of need to finish off. We need, we need to tour before we do something new. So wouldn't it be fun to release something, you know, that you may not have gotten if you weren't for the lockdown, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so it's made up of songs that kind of, that were written for Sex, Death and Infinite Void that didn't quite make it for whatever okay. reason. I see. And during that same time, you that's when you started Salem, like the, as a side project as well? Yeah. During that lockdown part? You had a lot going yes. on. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a busy man a lot of the time. Uh, that was one of those things where we were writing, like uh, I was writing so many different types of song for, uh, for Creeper. And like mm-hmm. trying to expand the sound and pad it out and kind of uh, make it evolve, um, that it became quite frustrating sometimes. I'd come back from America and just be like really frustrated and really, really trying really hard not to write. Uh, I think a lot of that that, that period of time as well. Um, there were a lot of forces trying to make us trying to make Creeper make a sanitized version of our first record, uh, and it was kind oh. of it, it, we, we were being steered that direction. And uh, I think what we did was a reaction to that where we just kind of went, I don't want to do that at all. We want to make the most, the, the, the most unique thing we can possibly do for us. You know, like, like but it's not unique in terms of, it sounds like other things, but like uh, it does. But like in terms of, I don't want to follow this blueprint of uh, what punk bands do, you know, where you kind of make a, a more clean version, a more polished version. I, I just didn't want to do it. So, uh, uh-huh. so yeah, we, we, we ended up bucking that trend. But while I was trying to find all these sounds to do that, I had like this itch to play like the fast punk songs and something easy that I knew uh, that was familiar. So, uh, so Salem began, um, with my, uh, who, uh, Matt, who was our guitar tech for, um, for Creeper. Um, I used to meet up with him for coffee when I was back home and, and he was like, do you want to just come over and write some songs that sound like the bouncing souls and I, or whatever. It didn't end up sounding like the bouncing souls in the end, but uh, that right. was the plan originally. And, uh, <laughs> we, got, uh, we, uh, we got together and just the songs, just, we wrote like the first EP, I think in like, couple of days or, or whatever and um and then it was just there we just had it we didn't know what to do with it and then lockdown hit and uh we were like should we just put this out because <laughs> we're not doing anything else and then <laughs> yeah. so he does so he just did and then um and then that became a thing for a while we did a couple of tours of that and another ep and now mm-hmm. i'm back doing creeper again and it's just yeah so it was all a product of a of the, the lockdown and i guess you know i'm i'm just moaning about um my situation in the lockdown well, I did, we did get to do a lot of things we wouldn't have got to do normally. Salem probably wouldn't have happened if it wasn't locked down, you know? And uh-huh. So, yeah, there's been, there's been some positives, I guess. Yeah. You to, said that. To the world being locked down. <laughs> right. <laughs> you mentioned how, that you know, you're kind of being steered in a direction to make the first record a little bit more, like, make, regurgitate almost what you're doing, make it a little bit more polished for the, the future songs for Creeper. Was that before going into this new album? And is that kind of what led you to go sign with Spine Farm? Or like, was that like, tell me about 
like where were you guys when that when you were talking about that was that going into this new album no that was off the back of eternity in your arms and uh, oh, okay i i think a, a lot of like because what happened right so uh, in the uk um roadrunner is a subsidiary of warner of warner music here. yeah and in the u.s it's a subsidiary of electro i think or atlantic um, atlantic and I so yeah, yeah atlantic so so those two are kind of at odds with Roadrunner is what they have in common. So it involves these two companies kind of working together. It's odd, it's confusing, uh, from what I can remember anyway. Uh, but at the time, people at Warner, um, it was being, re- the record, the first one was being reviewed really well and uh, it was selling okay. And so it kind of got the attention of people who aren't really from our world, you know? Um, and they were like, well, just, 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 just take them, send them to a producer and we'll make them. So it was like that sort of thing. And, <laughs> right. And it was like, oh, Send it to Max you know, Martin. <laughs> yeah, that that was kind of like, but it wasn't like that. It was no, kind kidding. of, uh, but, but 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 not far off. Like it was, it got, it got it got to a place where it was like, oh, like I don't really want to sit with somebody and uh, have them write my songs for me. I don't want to do that. Like I, I think the very nature of like where we're from, and I respect everybody who does that stuff. By the way, it's not like no no slight on anyone, no shade anywhere. Right. But like the nature of the story I've just told you about the beginnings of the band, you can understand we're a fucking weird bunch of people. And like, uh, and so like, we were never going to be a, like, we're not like the best looking, prettiest kind of clean cut band. It's not like that. You know, like uh, we, we, I, we were always going to write our own thing. And I had all these aspirations because I was talking about Bowie and Roxy music and all that stuff that I loved, all this stuff outside of maybe the realm of punk rock. And um I think the second record that sounds so different, that's got so many different, we, we found a producer who purposely wasn't from that world. Uh, we, we found him at the end of an LA trip. His name was Andy Barry and he's an amazing human being. Um, and he had worked on like soundtracks for, for films and uh, lots of more kind of um, soundscapey things. And, and was really proficient in writing orchestral parts and um, just the opposite of, uh, of what everyone was trying to push us towards. And I Got think it. maybe in, in, like in hindsight, maybe some of the, the reason that the second record is so different from the first is us trying to actively stand against it. And in some ways it was more punk to not make a punk record. Yeah, 100%. It was like yeah, you know, that, going back to like Gr- Green Day, them putting out like Good Riddance was like pretty punk rock thing to do. <laughs> you know, exactly, we're going to put out yeah. an acoustic song. Um, 100%. But okay, so that's the time period there was going into that second album. Got it. I, yes. I didn't know if it was later and then coming into this new album. So going into the new album, you have a new label. And like, when do you start working on this record? So we, we, we started like we were uh, kind of in the background for a while. Um, we've had, and we had the, the themes for these albums like years ago. So the second one we had the we wrote the, 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 the narrative for the second record while we were uh, before we did the first one, I think. And I'd written the, the, the narrative when we were in California and we, we stopped at a place with Dunsmere in California. And it was like, this, 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 we'd, uh, we drank a lot of gin the night before and I needed to, to be sick outside of that. And we came out and I found this, um, it was a diner in the middle of nowhere. This place that looked like Twin Peaks and I'd never seen, we just don't have shit like that, you know? So I was like, what is this? And I uh, yeah. found this amazing place. And I was like, oh, I wonder what it's like to live here. And we ended up, I ended up writing a whole story about it, uh, like a fictional story. And the, 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 the new one, we had uh, this idea for a vampire record and a darker record than our previous two uh, years ago. And um, so we were building to it. I had this, the narrative all written. Uh, we just kind of needed to find the right producer for it. And um, we found Tom Dalgetty, who 
who'd done Ghost, he'd done um, Square Hammer and, and Prepwheel, like the the, the uh, did the Damned uh, and uh, wow. did, well, the Pixies Pits, and the Ramstein and lots of lots of stuff that we really like. And uh, he, uh, we we befriended him really. He like I think I can't remember who messaged to. I think he may have befriended us. I liked he liked our last record, uh, and so and he was talking to me about the Damned and talking to me about uh, I did lots of punk bands that we really liked and. Um, he said, "Why you come down and, and and do a song?" So yeah, like but like well before we kind of got together, and he liked all the the Milo stuff, all the silly stuff that we love, like these grand ballads and uh, this uh, this kind of like the the the, the stuff that is it, all, all the best shit is like really epic and really like like entering a different worlds so like it, in your headphones and uh, but knowing it's kind of fun and silly, where it's like it's like a punchline to all the jokes, you know that sort of thing. And he loved all the same stuff. So uh, we started writing it, I think, just before Christmas. Um, no, it would have been before the, the November show. Did a big show here in November, the Roundhouse, where I was decapitated uh, by a vampire, and we had a big screen, and there was a. We launched straight into a, to, to, to this next record, um, and so we had lots of it done before then. Uh, and yeah, I, I had this. I had it handy here before. It's gone somewhere. There, I had a tape. Has that gone? I had it here to hand at one point today, but it seems to have gone missing. Uh, we had cassette tapes, tapes made with a single on it that we gave out at the uh, at the show. Uh, I don't know where it's gone, but there were 666 of them, of course, and uh, they were handed out afterwards. Had a single on we did with him, and then we went away for a minute. That's my other cat here, by the way. This is Tofu. Uh, anyway, bats uh, and tofu. I had a bats <laughs> and tofu. Oh, that's awesome. I had a uh, mouse named Tofu when I was. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, when I was like 15. <laughs> that's sick, man. I love, I love that. That's great. Well, yeah, um, a kind of mouse called Tofu. Wow. Um, anyways, uh, yeah. So, so we basically like um, we did the show uh, and then we went away and um, we started writing and recording it um, in between. We had to go straight to Australia. We were, we were touring around to Shikari in Australia. Because the tour got pushed back, like uh, from the from when we were in in lockdown, and mm-hmm. uh, so we had, we had no choice. The schedule lined up that so I got this did this decapitation bit, and then um, started uh, working on this record. Um, what year did you do that? I thought you did that like in like 2018 or something like that. Or no, no, so there, there there were there were two there were two things. Uh, so the one in 2018, each time there's a new record uh, on the cards, there's a big show in London. And yeah, 2018 yeah. one is the Ziggy Stardust thing we did. We broke the yeah. band up uh, for a year. Yeah, and didn't you? And then you decapitated yourself, didn't you, at that one or no? That 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 is the second one we did. Uh, so the first one was at the Coco in London, and this one was at a bigger room called the Roundhouse. Uh, and we got decapitated. So the first one we broke the band up and went away for a year to, to uh-huh. LA to make the record, uh, and then came back a year to the day of our of our breakup. And on the second one. Um, Everyone was expecting us to break up again, so we didn't. We just, uh, I just got decapitated, and we immediately launched into a new record and had a new logo on merch by the time it was finished and get the tapes out and everything. So it was That's like the awesome. opposite. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it's been great. It's, 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 well, what's lovely about this is that, like, uh, over the years, that we, uh, in this country at least, it's, it's still, still early days elsewhere, really, because we've not been there enough. But uh, we've, uh, we've got this a great, a great, fan base here that just are up for playing along with the whole bit you know and now they they try and guess guess what you're gonna do before you do it and it's uh 
And it's funny. So I knew they were going to expect us to kind of go away or do something. So we tried to do the opposite, the very opposite, and just launch straight into a new campaign and introduce everything. And so, yeah, that's kind of how it happened. And, um, and now we are like a month, um, no, two months away from, uh, from the record coming out. What, what month are we in? No, it's next it's month. September. It's <laughs> next month. Eh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh I got God. the wrong notes. <laughs> Where has this time gone? Yeah, uh, the Friday the 13th of October. Jesus. It's been a long day. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Okay. So the cassette, the, the cassettes you gave out were, you said it was a VHS tape, then you would, where, you handed out 666. Where is the cassette? It was right here. I Oh, it's here. Here it is. So, uh, so it was one of these. And it, uh, so it was like a, like a oh, okay. old school cassette. So um, Got it. I, there was, there was, I don't know what number this one is, but uh, there was 666 of these that had a, had a B-side called Ghost Brigade on it uh, uh-huh. that we released immediately at midnight after the show was finished. So as soon as the show was finished, it went live. And we had a projection of a new character called Darcia who runs our social media now, um, which is like a female scene. She's a... She's like a vampire familiar character. And it just was a way to, for us to not have to deal with, with the internet. Um, <laughs> it's horrible. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's just been really, really fun using that. And uh, we'd launch straight into the record rather than kind of take time away because we, like we felt like we'd taken enough time away with, uh, with the last few years, you know? Yeah. Wow. So then the record is coming out in a month or and a half or so. Yes. And you- and um, t- with with that, like, do you have any big thing happening? Like when you do that, when you release that record, obviously to announce it, you guys do a big theatrical piece. But going into like when the day of, do you do something big for it? Oh, uh, we, we, we're touring in November. So there's a big like a touring show uh, in November for it that kind of goes along with the whole thing. So we do a tour in the UK here. Uh, but we along on release week, we're doing loads of stuff. We're doing uh, we're doing in stores. So- across the country we're doing there's there's um i think there's there's a big event planned but that's just before the uh that's just before as well but there's there's, there's a bunch of celebratory stuff there's uh, the, creep, the cool thing about creeper is the audience is so wonderful and they're so responsive to everything but it allows you to do like stuff that you wouldn't normally do with other and that with a, a normal band you know like the so kind of more interactive things more uh, elements you can come and and uh Lots of the, the the kids have been doing the makeup now, like the the, the vampire makeup stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up. Yeah, it's like a Rocky Horror floor show sort of look. Uh, but uh, and it's great at the shows now. You're starting to see people coming in all the different areas of people. You see some with the callous heart from the first one of the first record, or the stranger mask, or some are just in the the the, the makeup that I wore on the last record where. I had no eyebrows and there's lots and heavy makeup on and a kiss curl. And so now we're starting to see kids coming in with vampire makeup. It's really cool. You, you, you get to see uh, this whole, it's like a little Comic-Con or something, you know, everyone's coming in cosplay as different eras of the band. It's, it's really neat. I love that. With like, I mean, you said you had the concept for this album a while ago. Like, do you have, you know, looking forward, do you have a bunch of short, like, like theme at themed ideas ready to be like okay now i know it's time to pull out this one like how do you decide on when it's time for do you know do you understand uh, yeah. What yeah yeah, yeah. I, I do i i think it well it's uh you know there's there's always a million things and i think the things kind of get uh, um, embellished and elaborated upon as we go along you know okay so uh so so you have a framework for what you're doing i have a story and, and we, we add things to it but I know what we're doing for the next one. I know what, like, you, you have to plan these things out because uh, especially now that what I was trying to say before is like the 
some of the kids that are coming to see us now are like, um, they know they know what we're like now. The, the first time we broke the band up on the stage, people didn't really get that it was a bit, you know, like uh, I did the, the Ziggy Stardust speech and everything, but like it was a real nightmare. But now they come to the show expecting something uh, to, to, uh, and, and to catch you out when you do these things. So it makes it harder, you know, <laughs> they're, they're smarting up, you know, <laughs> they're smart, uh, right, right. <laughs> they're smart and it gets harder. You know, it's like, a, it's, do you remember years ago? Do you remember the masked magician? Do you remember him? <laughs> he came on oh, he yeah, had a big yeah, mask yeah. On, and, he, and he ruined all the magician's tricks. <laughs> it's like, uh, <laughs> and then you couldn't perform them anymore. Uh, so it kind of feels like that sometimes, you know, you kind of your own masked magician. They, once they've learned a couple of them, they learned the routine. You're like, oh shit, they, they're catching on. So, uh, so yeah, you've got to be one step ahead. Otherwise, they uh, they they know what's coming, and uh, and they want the the thing is they want to be surprised. They that that's part of the reason they come. And um, so yeah, it's, it's always a battle to try and see uh, what the next thing we can do is that'll uh, that that'll uh, it's kind of a, something that kind of blurs the lines between fantasy and reality, and uh, and makes it fun. Um, so yeah, you have to be one step ahead. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, Will, thank you so much, man, for taking the time to to chat with me today. I know you've probably done a bunch of these, but I I, I appreciate the time and um, thanks for you know for hanging out. Nah, man, thank you for having me. It's been great talking to you. It's been really yeah. funny. I just I've been telling you some crazy stories that I haven't spoken about at all in the, the whole week of doing this. <laughs> I don't know how we, we ended up doing this, but. Yeah, I love that. That's what I really want to hear. That's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I, with that being said, I do have one more question to ask you. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Oh, um, I don't know. You always feel like I'm like a bit of an arrogant asshole trying to give some <laughs> advice. Uh, do you know what I mean? Uh, and I've made so many mistakes myself that, and I continue to make them. Um, I think the, 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 the couple of things I would say, uh, if I could tell myself the advice, I think I wouldn't, want to be uh advising anyone else people ask me on the internet sometimes for these things and like q and a's on my instagram i never really know what to say but uh the things i would say is when we first got when we first signed a, a deal with a record company um our friend was managing us which turns out he had no no experience doing that like that at the time and so we signed a 360 deal uh like uh, and I, I was speaking about this before with somebody else and uh that was really bad because we didn't know what the hell that was because we had no experience doing that, you know? And so uh, I, I would look, for, if, you were, if you're in a band and you're about to, if someone offers you a record deal, you should read it or have someone read it who knows what it means because we didn't, we just did it and uh, and ended up re- regretting not going back and trying to make it more beneficial for us uh, at the time. Second thing I think is what the thing I've been most happy with, loads of things in my career that I've been, I wish I'd done differently. But one of the things I'm happy I never did was, um, was changed what I wanted, like, like was, did something for somebody else. Like, I, like it was soon as music for me was the thing originally, uh, was the thing I loved because it was outside of work and all this shit. It was just for me. It was just exactly what I wanted. Uh, like, it, it was my thing in the same way it is for you, right? Like, that is, it's our, it's our special thing. As soon as it becomes uh, uh, something that you're making money from or any little bit of money, um, the temptation for people to try and pull you in different directions is, is, is it gets greater and, and you start trying to think, oh God, what do we uh, like? Like, how how can I make this? How can I make more money doing it? Or how can I benefit from my career? And we've always just trying to start with doing what we want to do each time. And each sometimes the records are polarizing for existing fans of our band. Sometimes they go, fuck, I don't get this. So, and I'm more happy doing that than putting out something that is not authentic to me. 
So I think being authentic to yourself as an artist is one of the most important things. And it's kind of what it's all about in the first place, because it's, it's so easy to forget why you started wanting to play music or why we started going to shows or all that stuff uh, in the first place. And trying to keep it special uh, is, has been important. And m the motivation behind doing it is because I love it rather than it's to make any money. Because truthfully, there's not a great deal of money in it anyway. <laughs> <laughs>